This is Noor Judah for Status, and joining me today is Sahar Francis, the General Director of Ad-Damir Prisoner Support and Human Rights Association in Ramallah. Hi Sahar, how are you? Good, hello. Thanks so much for joining us today on our Quick Thoughts program. It's my pleasure, always. So earlier this week, uh, Palestinian prisoners in Israeli detention ended a mass hunger strike, which has been referred to publicly as the Dignity Strike. It began on April 17th and lasted for 40 days before Israeli authorities agreed to some of the demands made by the prisoners. Sahar, before we get into what was accomplished, as well as the challenges the prisoners will continue to face, can you give us some background on motivations for the strike and how many prisoners were involved? Um, How many across how many prisons and out of how many total Palestinian prisoners are in detention? Historically, Palestinian political prisoners uh, initiate hunger strikes inside the Israeli prisons, actually in order to improve their uh, daily life conditions. So it's not a new technique. They were using the hunger strike since 67 till today, uh, so often in order to guarantee basic rights, actually, under the prison system, where every time the prison system used these rights, as punishments and they cancel and put more restrictions. And this is generally what pushed the Palestinian prisoners to have uh, uh, hunger strikes. The current, uh, uh, like the last hunger strike actually, as well was initiated after four years, more or less five years, because the last massive hunger strike was in 2012. And in these years, actually, the prison uh, system canceled and uh, punished them with more and more uh, punishments like the family visits, restrictions, the solitary confinement, the canceling of the education, and uh, so on. So this is what moved them to initiate the current hunger strike, which lasted, of course, for 40 days. Uh, um, the total number of the prisoners that shared in this hunger strike was 1,500 prisoners, more or less. Uh, But not all of them, they joined the strike from first day till the end. Some of them, they were considered just as supporters that they started later on and they joined for a couple of weeks. And uh, they were in most of the prisons. You know, all the Palestinian prisoners are located in prisons inside Israel. It's distributed in between like around 20, 22 facilities. So prisoners from all different prisons shared in uh, as groups, uh, sometimes in small groups. But mainly the leadership uh, was from Hadarim, from Nafha, uh, Rimon, and the big prisons that they have the biggest number of the Palestinian prisoners in uh, in the prisons. So one of the one of the things that you mentioned, did I understand correctly? The um, some of the things that they were talking about: solitary confinement, the family visits, um, access to educational materials. These are actually things that were uh, loosened or were granted in the last hunger strike in 2012, but then the Israelis rolled back their their promises. Is that right? Exactly. 
The issue, for example, the solitary confinement, in 2012 hunger strike, the agreement was that the prison system will release all those that they were subjected for solitary confinement to the normal sections, get get them back to the normal sections, and they would uh, restrict the use of solitary confinement as a punishment. What happened in the last two years that they sent back other prisoners to solitary confinement and they went back to use it as a punishment more often than it was in 2012-2013 after the hunger strike. For the family visit issue, you remember in 2012, one of the main demands was to reinitiate the visits from the Gaza Strip because in 2012, Uh, All of the Palestinian prisoners from Gaza were uh, banned from family visits uh, for more than five years. Activated the visits after the hunger strike, but unfortunately, they didn't activate it in a normal way, like once a month or once in a couple of months. And uh, also, they put more restrictions on the family visits of the uh, people from the West Bank, for security measures uh, mostly. So it ended up hundreds of prisoners actually are not getting family visits regularly and in a proper way. So this is why they included again the family visits uh, as a main demand in, and especially after the decision of the Red Cross, unfortunately for the Red Cross is the international responsible group about the facilitation of the family visits to the Israeli prisons. So uh, last year they declared that they cannot handle the second visit and they stopped the second visit uh, uh, for the families each month. And this has caused much of stress in the uh, prisons. Anyway, the visit is too short, it's 45 minutes, it could be 40 or less than uh, 40 minutes as well. So to have it just once a month, it's not enough for the prisoners. And they were pushing and requesting the Red Cross to find a solution. Unfortunately, the Red Cross didn't solve the problem, so this was as well included in the uh, demands. According to the agreement, the PA, um, it seems that the PA initiated a suggestion that they would support the Red Cross in uh, financing and funding the second visit. But still, it needs that the Red Cross facilitate because no other uh, group, like not the PA, not Palestinian NGOs, can help in facilitating family visits to the Israeli uh, prisons. So initially, it was uh, twice a month, and then was was uh, reduced to once a month. Uh, this happened when? Uh, a year ago, About and year it happened ago. by the Red Cross. It wasn't a decision of the prison system. So this is why uh, in this current hunger strike, the prison authority, after the end of the hunger strike, they were insisting to say, anyway, the second visit is never cancelled. It's the issue of the Red Cross. They, they don't want the prisoners to uh, uh, like put it as it was one of the successes of the uh, hunger strike. And what's the main challenge in the Red Cross actually being able to facilitate the visits or assist in facilitating the visits twice a month as opposed to once a month? They claim that it's for um, like economical uh, capacity and resources. 
that out of the uh, situation in the whole region and the fact that they have to interfere in other areas as well, they don't have enough capacity. It's not the first time that the Red Cross uh, limit the um, uh, um, things that they offer for the prisoners. Actually, in these years, they uh, took lots of things that they were offering the prisoners. For example, they were uh, in the past supposed to bring underwears and the basic needs for any new prisoner that enters to the system. Not anymore. And uh, they just offer it for people under solitary confinement. Uh, medical uh, devices like um, uh, glasses or any other uh, medical needs, uh, they were offering for prisoners, but not anymore in the last couple of years. It's all related, as they claim, to the economical situation of the Red Cross. Is there a sense that they're cutting back for reasons other than resources? I mean, is, is that a suspicion that's held among other NGOs, or is it is it pretty much taken for at face value that it's a resource problem? No, I think it's um, uh, part of it, of course, it's definitely resources and uh, the general situation, but definitely it's also connected to the fact that since the Oslo uh, agreement and the establishment of the Palestinian Authority, mm -hmm. the Red Cross uh, believes that there's things that should be responsible and they pushed that, uh, like, their cut-off caused the PA to enter into the scene and to support the prisoners in these needs, so through the families and uh, the NGOs. So this is uh, the case now that all the needs that the Red Cross is not offering, uh, the PA is covering. And how has the PA been reacting or dealing with or meeting, I should say, these responsibilities in regards to the prisoners? Of course, uh, uh, we were having uh, as well a discussion with the PA that it's not their responsibility and they shouldn't cover. It's, uh, it's still under occupation and this is the responsibility either of the occupiers, like the occupying country, or the Red Cross. So, for example, on the level of the uh, canteen, Unfortunately, um, the PA is supporting the prisoners via the canteen uh, process, and this has caused the prison system, for example, to enforce the prisoners even to buy the cleaning stuff from the canteen. They're not offering them the uh, um, uh, uh, cleaning uh, materials anymore in a sufficient way uh, where they can clean their sections, their cells, and their uh, facilities without uh, uh, buying uh, from the canteen supplements. So we told the PA that this is because they felt the PA is paying monthly for the prisoners in order to survive in the Israeli prisons on the level of the food as well. The, the prison system uh, are not offering um, like food enough in quantity and quality, especially for those that they have diabetic or blood pressure, they, they need special uh, diet. If you could just tell us a little bit about sort of the canteen system is, is a situation which the Palestinian Authority gives money to individual prisoners in order for them to be able to purchase supplies from within the prisons including food, you said. 
uh, correct, including meat, including vegetables, including clothes, uh, including cleaning stuff. As I said, the prison system uh, since the Oslo time actually started to cut off all these uh, um, things that they offer for the prisoners and uh, uh, enabling them to buy the needs from the canteen. So at the end of the day, we claim this is exploitation for the prisoners because the prices in the canteen are much more than the prices in the Palestinian market. So they are gaining uh, 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 money from uh, this system, actually, the canteen system inside the prisons. And this is the, is uh, the Israeli we, the Israeli prison system and the the those who manage the prison system. Of course, and the, uh, uh, there is a monopole. One company actually is handling the canteen, and uh, we believe that they share the uh, like the outcomes with the uh, prison system. So they benefit actually from uh, running this canteen system in the prison. And which company is that? Uh, it's an Israeli company that handled the canteen. I want to go back just a little bit to to the strike that just ended. Um, you mentioned the motivations for beginning strikes, the conditions under which the prisoners live, um, some of the regression uh, for, for things that the Israelis had promised since the 2012 strikes. Um, but also just logistically speaking, organizing a strike of this size across multiple prisons, what goes into that? How do the prisoners actually put something like this together? You know that the prisoners are living inside the Israeli prison um, in a very organized way. They elect their own uh, representatives for each prison and for each section even in the prison. They have representatives and they have committees that they are responsible for taking decisions and sharing information. So actually, they prepare it um, like months before starting the hunger strike. They start to organize and prepare, and they can use the fact that they are moved from one prison to another or transferred from the prisons to the courts in order to exchange information and to organize themselves. And decide from the first, when would be the beginning, like the starting point and what, and they would elect the committee that would handle the hunger strike and they would put the main demands and they would put the conditions when we stop the hunger strike, in which cases, in which demands, like we guarantee then it's equals for the hang off of the hunger strike and so on. So all these decisions would be made months actually before they start the actual hunger strike. Now, I imagine, obviously, that there are obstacles to them being able to organize in these committees and communicate. What are things that the Israeli prison system um, and the government do in order to make it more difficult for the prisoners to be able to organize and communicate? Of course, they would punish them uh, via the family visits. So they would ban uh, the leaders if they uh, guess who's the leading 
committee or the people that they are involved in initiating a hunger strike, these people would be subjected for ban on lawyers' visits or family visits or put in even in solitary confinement, or they would be moved from one prison to another very often. So they cannot settle down in one prison and organize and so on. And it was very clear from the first moment how they started to move uh, uh, the leading prisoners from one prison to another, how they immediately sent all the hunger strikers to solitary confinement and canceled totally the family visits and also restricted a lot the lawyers' visits. So because they also claim that some lawyers... Uh, are involved in uh, uh, this information transform. So this is why they restrict lawyers' visits mm -hmm. as well in the time of the hunger strike. Do you have a sense of, or is the number available of how many prisoners were placed into solitary confinement as a result of the hunger strikes or during the hunger strikes? Actually, all of the sessions that they uh, were sharing hunger strike, they were totally isolated from the other normal uh, sections. And in the uh, prisons where there were joint sections, you have like, let's say, 10 prisoners and the hunger strike just out of the 50 or the 100, they would move them to another uh, prison to be isolated. So uh, I would say all of the prisoners that they were under hunger strike, they were isolated all these 40 days from the, other, the rest of the prisoners. So not necessarily all of them in solitary confinement, but all of them underwent isolation from the larger population in the prison. Exactly. Okay. But uh, some of them, they were also under uh, in, in separate cells, either individuals or two people in one cell. You mentioned the committees, the the prisoners organizing, um, making sort of plans for rules for the hunger strike. Despite a lot of public divisions in Palestinian society among the, the multiple sort of political parties, we saw with this strike endorsements and leadership and or participation from Fatah, the PFLP, as well as Hamas, um, can you speak a little bit about this and why it's significant, actually, that multiple parties were involved publicly and endorsed the strike? Because the issue of the prisoners uh, uh, always is gaining uh, support from all political parties. Prisoners' uh, case is a very essential, central case in the Palestinian Society and it's gaining uh, uh, unity from all. Uh, I think this is the only issue that we all as Palestinians, not just as political parties, but even as Palestinian individuals, where we unite uh, for the uh, support of the prisoners in their struggle. So this is why, uh, uh, even though it started by mostly initiative from Fatah, but of course, it was a discussion in between all the uh, uh, political parties inside the prison. And the decision was of the other political parties like Fatih and Ham uh, Hamas and uh, PFLP and other uh, even members from Fatih that they didn't start from day one. They uh, joined the hunger strike later on. And it should be clear as well that why prisoners decide uh, to enter to the hunger strike as groups, 
because they are fully aware that uh, people cannot uh, uh, go into hunger strike for long periods. So in order to make it as long as they can, they divide themselves as well sometimes for groups that uh, uh, they enter later on in order to keep it going. It depends on the reactions to the hunger strike. And in this case, it was good because the, the Israeli uh, official position was totally against and they were threatening with lots of threats, the horse feeding, the uh, uh, use of uh, doctors from outside the country. So uh, this is why they decided to support in a later uh, stage, actually. So for the uh, civil society, as I said, the issue of the prisoners is something that united all Palestinian political parties, and this is why also it was supported by all uh, the political parties and the civil society outside. And so this is an interesting point. So it's actually one of the strategies of the prisoners to have um, people come in in waves, so to speak, have a wave come in early on, halfway through towards the end, so that you can maintain a constant presence of participation in the strike as people become weaker. Yes, of course. And they also have a decision concerning the people, the women prisoners and the children. Usually they decide that children and women and sick people are not allowed to have a open hunger strike. And they ask them to join in several uh, like um, ways, for example, sending back the meals three times a week or four times a week. And uh, uh, this is actions of support, actually. So even on this level, it would be decided from before and informing the uh, different sections of the minors, the women, and of course, the people that they are hospitalized in the hospital. So there are people even outside of sort of the core number of people of of those uh, participating in the open hunger strike who are participating in in other forms of agitation and resistance within the prison, aside from the open hunger strike. Yes, definitely. Usually it. We can say that most of the prisoners would be joining these solidarity activities while the others are on the hunger strike. Now, just coming back towards the end of the strike, um, can you tell us a little bit about what the Israelis have, you know, allegedly granted or agreed to as far as the demands of the prisoners? Of course, that's yet to be seen as to how it will go. But for now, what has been said, given given the demands? I know that you mentioned earlier um, solitary confinement, and I believe its administrative detention is will still be in use and has not been met as a demand, but there were several other important demands that were met. Yes, definitely. The uh, administrative detention issue and the confinement and the education were kept for later stage because actually the education, for example, there was a court decision in 2012, uh, in 2013, that uh, um, uh, said uh, it's a privilege that we are not supposed to offer for the Palestinian prisoners. So in order to solve the issue, uh, you need to find a legal way how to grant it back after this decision of the high court. 
So uh, these uh, things were kept for later stage. Now, when you say uh, when you say visit, when you say education, you mean what specifically? You mean like degree programs? You mean access simply to books? What What do you mean by that? No, the degree program because they were okay. enabled to uh, continue studying in the Open Hebrew University, and this is was totally cancelled after two thousand twelve. Uh, so on the other uh, demands, like the family visits, as I said, they claimed the second visit, it wasn't them, so they are open if the Red Cross and the PA wants to agree how to facilitate it, uh, they will um, uh, uh, do it. And on the level of the restrictions, this is the thing that uh, they promised the left uh, uh, most of the restrictions related to the security of giving permits and to enable the families uh, to visit more freely, to um, extend the time of the visit as well, and to work on improving the conditions for the families from Gaza on the level of how often they can visit and the length as well of the visit. They also agreed to improve uh, like internally in the sections like to keep the doors of the cells and the rooms more open for more hours a day, to give them uh, more TV channels, to change the TV channels that they now receive for another uh, TV channels, uh, uh, to enable them to cook their own food, because you know historically in the past, the prisoners were controlling the kitchens where they were cooking their own food. While in the last 10 years, it's criminal prisoners that they cook for them. So also they are demanding to get back the control over the kitchens. All the other demands are related mostly to the daily life, like getting more, um, uh, not condition, but uh, to, to give them uh, heat and uh, uh, fans maybe in the summer. And in order, because in some prisons it's really very, very hot, like in the south or in the um, Shata and Gilboa uh, prison, it's very humid. One of the issues was the healthcare, especially for those held in uh, Ramli Hospital, uh, and the promise was to move them for the new sections of the hospital in the Ramli prison. Hopefully that all these uh, uh, um, uh, demands that they were approved uh, would be implemented soon because uh, the prisoners are waiting for the implementation. Otherwise, I'm sure they would start thinking about how uh, uh, to resist uh, back. And uh, as uh, we said, uh, other serious issues like the administrative detention, solitary confinement, and uh, so on, they had a special committee that they would be uh, discussing with the prison system and the security service, of course, on these issues in order uh, to see how they can solve them. When you say they'll be discussing, who are you referring to? Which parties will be on this committee? Uh, I'm not sure about the whole names of the prisoners now included in the committee, but uh, uh, we are sure that Karim Yunus uh, is uh, one uh, member. Uh, he, he used to be also in the committee of the hunger strike, so he would be in the 
committee. Hopefully next week we would be able to visit the prisons and to get more information uh, to the committee and uh, when they would start the negotiations. Did you have access to the prisoners when they were uh, in the hunger or when they were during the hunger strike? Yes, but with lots of restrictions and uh, conditions. Uh, mainly the prison system were imposing on the lawyers that if you visit one of the leaders, you cannot visit any of the other prisoners under hunger strike. So this has uh, uh, made lots of pressure. Um, and um, they were using several techniques, like they were approving the visit, and when we reached the, uh, the prison, they were claiming that the prisoners were moved or that they have emergency situation and made us waiting for four or five hours and then go back without visiting. So all these things were made intentionally in order to keep as much as they can, the, uh, um, like the control and the separation and the total isolation for these prisoners under the hunger strike. Okay, Sahar, thank you so much. Uh, just wrapping up, uh to give you kind of an open-ended question, uh, what do you think is the most important thing for our listeners to keep in mind and for, for the public to keep in mind moving forward as the prisoners continue to struggle for better conditions and, of course, ultimately and more importantly, their freedom? Exactly. I think the most important thing uh, to keep in mind that all these struggles that the prisoners themselves initiate, it's just about guaranteeing their human dignity inside the prison. It's not going to uh, uh, cause their freedom or their release. We need to continue to support them on this level as human rights NGOs and as activists, as, as political um, leadership as well in order to uh, reach a moment where all these political prisoners would be released, would be freed, would be uh, uh, not guaranteed to not to be rearrested because some of these political prisoners were released in the past right. via the Oslo process or other negotiations. And unfortunately, the Israeli side is not respecting these agreements, and they could be subjected for imprisonment in any moment, even based on secret information. So the struggle is not over, and we have to keep working and highlighting the issue of the prisoners as a central issue in the Palestinian-Israeli conflict. Thank you. Thank you so much, Sahad, for your time. We really appreciate it, and we hope to have you back very soon. Okay, thanks for your support. Of course. Thank you, Sahar. 